right, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of Beers, Business, and Balls. As always, brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app to get started or go to anchor.fm. Monday, July 20th. We've got a lot of good stuff on tap for today's episode. Cool guest in Tim Sinclair, who is the Pacers lead public address announcer. Uh, but the hat he's wearing now is he is inside the NBA bubble right now. Really cool stuff. So we get a quick glimpse of what's going on and the craziness of Orlando as sports get started. Will Tondo is here with me as usual. My name is Jake Zimmer. and Thank you for starting your week with us, whether you're listening Monday, Tuesday, whenever the hell you're listening. Honestly, we don't really care. But um, week number two that you're back, Will. So um, glad to see that you've caught up on the nonsense and drinking and eating that you missed out on for the past couple of weeks. I've definitely put on the weight that I lost. Oh no! No, I'm I'm still in the I'm still in the deficit, but no, I mean everything's going good. The weather's nice. Uh, we're just enjoying good company. Numbers in New York and Rhode Island and Connecticut seem to steady off compared to the rest of the country. But all you got to do is wear a mask. It's not that hard. So that, and if you want to lose weight like you do, are you advocating for tonsil surgery to those that need to lose some weight? Yeah. <laughs> Just get your tonsils out and lose no, and put yourself in crippling debt. Like <laughs> I would I would not wish that on my the pain on my worst enemy. That that shit sucked. Ugh. I can't but, imagine. But I mean it must be nice that you can breathe again though, because your your tonsils were the biggest tonsils I've ever seen on a human in my life. You would think I could breathe again now, but now allergies are kicking my ass. <sighs> which is kind of a result of my voice now between a hangover and just straight grass. Oh, straight grass. <laughs> Someone cut the, they cut the lawn this morning. Yeah, that can mean a lot of different things too. So be careful with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll hop right into it, folks. So we've got, you know, we're going through the, the line, beers, business, and balls <clears> here. But for balls, we're not going to talk necessarily about uh, all the sports returning and all this stuff like we usually do. Um, we're going to dive into the NBA for balls this week and see how that goes. Uh, baseball's coming back. They've got, you know, the scrimmages going on. That'll be for next week when baseball finally starts to get in the swing of things. Um, but we uh, talk with Tim Sinclair, as I mentioned at the open, uh, PA announcer for the Pacers. And now he is the voice of the NBA summer games, which is really cool. He's there for at least four or five weeks. Fun conversation with him about life in quarantine and all the shit going on in the bubble. So without further ado, we're reviewing some beers as usual. And we will start with a cheers from you, Mr. Tondo. Yes. Yes. So I am drinking today. Well, first, we'll cheers. Um, baseball's back this week. We had, obviously, we're not going to talk about baseball till next week on next week's episode, but... Yankees and Mets had their first scrimmages this weekend. Uh, Yankees came on top, and this Sunday they had a huge going of just five home runs. Judge went twice, Giancarlo, Voight. So it's nice to see that sports are coming back. And uh, just good health. But I am drinking Lions, Tigers, and Bears. And this is a can that was given to me by the Wart Podcast, which is oh, – they gave me right. a huge, a huge um, care package a few months ago, a bunch of beers – and this is a brewery that I actually just realized closed its doors um, this year, unfortunately. But it's called Lions, Tigers, and Bears. The can will be up on the Instagram. It is a American IPA, um, all citra, and for the hops. And it was a refreshing beer. 
um, it was unfortunate that I cracked it open and I realized, oh shit, <laughs> they're not producing it anymore because I would have saved it. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed it. I give it a three seven five. Um, I they didn't. I after I found out that they were closed, I was trying to look into why, and they just said, um, you know, we're not telling you why, but just come and say goodbye. That was like their closing statement. Wow. Um, which is unfortunate, but. I haven't had much barrage, but the ones I have had, I have enjoyed. So, three seven five, um, keeping the name alive while <laughs> they're closed. There you go. <laughs> I love the rhyme. It's beautiful. Uh, you should be a poet. Um, Modern day barrage, Hamilton. Literally, Barrage Brewing Company. That's interesting. Um, East Farmingdale, New York. I, I think it's still really unclear as to why. I think the War Podcast guys would probably know, but. Um, that's weird. Uh, it seems like a, I don't know what happened. I really don't. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a lot of different things. I mean, they were probably well on the red financially if that's what they had to do. So, yeah. or maybe they just didn't want to do it anymore. They might've lost love. Who knows? Uh, they could have. Um, my pick this week is going to be from Oxbow Brewing Company in Maine. I just had it at Pasta Beach in Newport um, a couple of nights ago. It's called Lupolo, I'm pretty sure. Lupolo. Uh, I think it's Lupolo because it's Italian and there's two Ps. Um, Really nice unfiltered dry hopped pills, they called it. So they brewed it with uh, what they call European malts and hops. I could not find any information on what they did to brew this, but it's a Pilsner. So they probably fermented it really cold, um, you know, 50 to 55 degrees. It was delicious, I thought. Pilsners in my book don't really... um, you know, they, they can't really get over to 375 unless it's like a, a really hot summer day or something like that. This one was delicious. I mean, it was very hot out. It was 90. Um, I was inside enjoying the air conditioning at Pasta Beach, but delicious. Very light, very drinkable, perfect with dinner. For that reason, it's getting a four. One of the better Pilsners uh, I've had this summer, to be honest with you. And um, I'm pumped. I, I, have you ever heard of Oxbow Brewing Company? Because I have not. The name sounds familiar. I haven't had, but I've definitely I've seen it in passing. Yeah, I, I've never seen any of their stuff. It's a farmhouse brewery, they call mm-hmm. it. So it's like um, in the Portland area, I guess. Um, that's where it was when we were in when we were in Portland. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Um, our right behind me on the Zoom, we've got our seltzer fermenting over here, so we uh, are keeping an eye on it. It looks like it stopped uh, fermenting, so that means about a week and a half until we can put it in the growlers, which is really cool. So hard lime seltzer for anyone that wants it, folks. Like we said last week, we're, we're dishing Drop it right out. Drop a line. Drop a line. Hit us up in the DMs. Uh, let's <clears throat> hop right into business now. Um, we'll, we'll talk about stocks in a quick second, but let's talk first about TikTok. Everybody's favorite app. My goodness. Started off as the... The place you went to see people dance, right? And just to kill time with stupid shit. And then it turned into what we love. It turned into the memes. It turned into the cooking videos. It turned into how to, you know, be anti-racist now. Um, I mean, it, it quite literally has a monopoly. Well, not really a monopoly, but it is so on the come up in American culture. And all of a sudden could be on the chopping block. So... U.S. government is saying that TikTok could be a potential security threat after a lot of rumors are going around that um, they're basically pawning off data to Beijing. Um, 
TikTok's company, their holding company is a Chinese tech company called ByteDance. And ByteDance says that it's not giving out its data to Chinese government, uh, you know, bullshit. representatives or anything. Yeah, a lot of other people say absolute bullshit. Um, but again, the executives and the politicians are worrying now, and then others are fearing that it could compromise national security. They're banning people and companies from using it. They're, there are some levels of the United States government where the workers can't use TikTok at all. They can't have it downloaded on their phone. So this is going to be interesting to watch over the next couple of weeks. Wanted to bring this up because this topic is certainly not going away. Um, TikTok might be stealing all our shit. <laughs> they might be uh, trying to get American data. So watch yeah. out. And going on top of that, Amazon originally said that um, they – wanted all of their employees to delete TikTok. Yeah. And I thought yeah. I, I find the Amazon video is so funny sometimes too. Yeah, like the delivery drivers just like throw in the boxes, even though that <laughs> yeah. Um but they uh last week actually backtracked that demand because there was like a huge um just a huge negative connotation against it. They're like, all right, like this is a great company, but like you can't really tell us what we can and cannot do. Um, so they back backtracked that order. I'm indifferent about it. I mean, the app was entertaining, and now it's kind of just shot, in my opinion. Um, well, is it shot because there's just more content? Because every app is bound to have that at some point. Which, right? Yeah, which is true. I just feel like if they wanted to remain relevant, I guess, is kind of like being able to filter what you see and can't see with like yeah. different algorithms. like. There's just some stuff where it's like, okay, this is a waste of my time. And I don't even go on it anymore like I used to. Um, but, I mean, in the more serious note of, like, collecting information stuff, I mean, I remember a few weeks ago when they had, like, that face app, you know, where you can, like, yeah. turn people, like, old or, like, female and male and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, and that was, like, a huge security compromise. I mean, every app, like, no one reads the terms and conditions. I don't know which apps have my data and which ones don't. Well, I mean, they if you're probably a spoiler all do. alert, they all do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's, think about what you're saying here. They all exactly. Have. Well, no, I mean, like, not have my data, but, like, what they're using that data for. They're still probably right. all using it for something. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, Did you know, like, on the data train, too, courtesy of Morning Brew, I'm reading this right now. Do you know how many pages in the first nine seconds that you open the app of TikTok, it generates a certain amount of data on you? Do you know how many, like, standard eight and a half by 11 pages that is? You want to take a shot? It's disgusting. It's probably like 500. It is 125 pages of type data in the first nine seconds you open the app. That's not to say anything about what you're doing after that on the app. If you're on that app for five, 10 minutes, that's probably in the thousands. That's nuts. How do they manage all that? I mean, that's not the road I want to go down here with it, but like, this is weird. And the, the weird thing is they're not even denying it too. Like they're not even denying that they're just taking a disgusting gross amount of data, but they still won't tell anyone what they're using it for. All that you're agreeing to in the user agreement is that you're giving them permission to use it. So what, <laughs> what, where, where, where is this going? I am yeah, I'm, I'm concerned. So stupid. I'm concerned. I would have no problem not using TikTok. If this is what, if I found out my data is going to some sketchy stuff, I would, I would hang it up. I would. Hang up all social media, honestly. Technology is just becoming whack. It is. Yeah. 
But we'll that's, transition. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a yeah. good transition point right there of technology being whack. So it was funny how we were talking about cryptocurrency last week um, because this past week we had a bunch of uh, Twitter accounts getting hacked with uh, for Bitcoin ploy. So essentially a bunch of big name people. Um, who was it? It was like Bill Gates, Barack Obama. Um, I don't even know. I think it just got, there were hundreds of accounts that got. Yeah. This and they were, they were all, ver- they were all verified accounts. They had this same tweet and it was just like, you should, you know, put the X amount of dollars into Bitcoin through this link and yada, yada, yada. So Twitter had to figure out what that hack was and they blocked all verified accounts from tweeting for a security measure. And it was funny because it was like everyone who was unverified, a normal Twitter user was just like going to town. They're like, what up? Hello peasants. Yeah. (laughs) But obviously I mean, that's a, I mean, Twitter is a major company and you know how many people use that app around the world. Um, So that's definitely a scary security threat right there that they, I mean, I don't know what that link was, like where it went to, or what information that happened with people who clicked the link, because obviously thousands of people definitely clicked the link if their favorite like personality or celebrity saw them tweet about Bitcoin. Um, so something to keep an eye on. I, I'm not, I haven't followed up on what answers they have. They haven't really put anything out, but yeah, the, the, all they really said is that, you know, it was a coordinated attack. Obviously they, uh, they had successfully breached a few firewalls. Uh, they, they just got to the right servers pretty much. And at that few, point it was game a few over. firewalls. It was probably hundreds of, well, firewalls. yeah, I say a few relatively speaking because it was probably honestly thousands, but, um, <laughs> it's so funny because I can just picture Trump like, and let let this let us be clear: we're not a pro-Trump podcast. That that is not what we are. <laughs> we're not we're not going down the politics line. But um, I I'm very surprised that he didn't take to Twitter and complain like, "You shut me down. Why couldn't I tweet for three hours? I couldn't communicate with the American people." I'm very shocked that he did not complain, which is so funny because that's how he fucking communicates with america but one big conspiracy (laughs) but and the same goes for like i don't know there were a lot of people that i'm sure are going to be all on twitter's case now because they're like i couldn't tweet for five hours like shut up they were trying to stop a massive attack (laughs) so these were the accounts like the major accounts that got hacked uh, President Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Elon, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Kanye West, Michael Bloomberg, and Apple. I actually didn't know Elon went down to that. That's kind of big. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's not good, just given how public he is. And then it said, one notable exception in the attack was the account of President Donald Trump. The New York Times reports <laughs> that Trump's account has special protections in place following past incidents, including right. when a third-party Twitter contractor used internal company tools to deactivate the president's account in 2017. Okay. Yeah. That's... Those protections may have spared Trump's account from being t- taken over. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see what the repercussions are. I don't think Twitter's going to be in that much shit because, you know, it, at the end of the day, they'll probably have to pay back whatever financial reparations uh, come from this because, or, or maybe, it, yeah, they probably will because they got hacked and, you know, the argument could be made that they misled users into buying Bitcoin and all that stuff. So that's at the end of the day, it's pocket change. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that's another app talking about. Yeah. 
being canceled. I mean, Twitter is just not enjoyable anymore. I get it for sports news. That's it. I, I love That's the sports it. follows. I, I love to see. Yeah, I love to see Judge mashing homers and. All but that's stuff. the unfortunate part. Up until like the past couple weeks, like the sports content was like kind of garbage. It was, and that's like, why you have beers, business, and balls, folks. There we, there it is. <laughs> I mean, there's some sports accounts, some of the major ones that are like literally like tweeting like videos from like ten years ago. They're like, remember when Kobe dropped like sixty points <laughs> in a game and stuff? It's like okay, like you can only watch so many highlights for so long. I know. Yep. Well, keep your eyes on Twitter too. Uh, before we hop into the stock of the week, we want to revisit Tesla. And I think this is good. We should start a segment, like just checking in on Tesla every week. Um, but we talked about last week, they had a, another, or excuse me, the week before, you know, episode 13, we were talking about Tesla on the week they had, that was arguably one of the best weeks they've ever had um, in their public world. And remember I said, Will, at the end of episode – or at the end of the business segment in episode 13, I wouldn't be surprised if it hits 1,800 by the end of the week. Well, mm-hmm. they came dangerously close on Monday. The day after we recorded that, they came so close. They hit 1,780-something, and I was like, holy fuck, they're going to do it. They're actually going to do it. After that, they fell down quite a bit. Um, they're and trading for, at 1505 right now. Yeah, exactly. So last week when we recorded, it was 1584. They're 15, uh, 1505. I believe they've fallen around to like 1500 after uh, hours. So I, I think they should have a decent day tomorrow. But now we're back, you know, Tesla's sticking around, of course. They're not going anywhere, but they, they took a net loss this week. So a few different factors at play. I mean, um, skepticism around battery days coming up, you know, more competitors, all this stuff. It's the same stuff over and over again with Tesla. But again, 1500 bucks. They, they actually went down from last week. Overall, we continue to see volatility this week from them as the bottom line. I think. I still think though, by the end of quarter three, that they'll be, they'll, they will have touched 2000. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a strong I, stock. It's a strong company. Um, I don't see them falling, even if the market does crash, and that is inevitable. I don't see them falling. I don't see them falling under that thousand dollar threshold anymore, and I just see them continuing to rise. September fifteenth is going to be interesting too, because that's Battery Day that he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, very strategically timed for Mr. Musk, because that's September fifteenth. That's two weeks away from quarter close. <laughs> so that's whatever. Whatever losses he's had between now and then, they're going to be skyrocketed back up. So we, we could see close to 2,000, I think. And that's interesting. Uh, I will have my eyes on Tesla, and if I can ever afford it, I'll buy it. Uh, I might do partial share. Do they, are they doing fractional shares on Tesla? Um, something I'll have to look into. I think yeah. – let's find If out. they could, I'm, I'm buying it. <laughs> Just invest all my money in Tesla. No fractional shares, but oh. I might still pull trig. I mean, if it gets down to, is that like a weirdo move buying one share of Tesla? Are we weird for that? Probably not. Probably not. Right? I, I mean, don't know. I, I really don't know. I've never bought a stock with that much to its name before. I mean, if I had, yeah, 15,000 to spare on 10 shares of it. <laughs> 
I think we'd have a house or something. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we head into balls, let's talk stock of the week. I think we've talked about Moderna a few different times. I don't ever think we named it our stock of the week, but if we're talking performance from last week, I think that bar none, Moderna had a phenomenal week. They gained, um, what is this, 16%, if my numbers are correct, uh, possibly even higher. They went 47% fat past week. Yeah, that makes sense. And they must have gone up after hours too. But still, they, they started the week 63.89, closed out 94.85. Yeah, that's probably 47%. That's nuts. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Moderna, M-R-N-A, they allegedly are close to a coronavirus vaccine. They allegedly have one uh, deployed out in the field. And they allegedly have completed a trial. While they will not release the total um, data, in the trial, I guess, they said that they're very optimistic about its results. Um, we have seen Express Spa not really do great um, with the whole promise of COVID screenings in airport, but we have seen Moderna be much more of a reliable play so far. So I think this is one that, although it's 94.85, folks, you might want to get in now because we could see, uh, the bears say anyway, that this could go up in the 150, 200. Yeah, I, I shout out to our friend Matt DeVito who told me about this one. I purchased them at around $48, $49. Yeah, that's a good call. Another big win in my portfolio. Um, so drinks on you this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm debating to see if I'm going <laughs> to uh, if I'm gonna purchase, the, purchase back in. Um, but it's definitely something to look out to, especially because, I mean, this is something that is going to seriously benefit not only its own valuation, but like the economy as a whole. Once there's a vaccine, I mean, things can return to some even more normalcy than what we're already starting to begin. Hospitality, tourism, look at that right off the bat. You know, these people want a vaccine before they go somewhere and they're going to have it. So when this stock shot up last week, all airlines, cruise ships, hotels, resorts, casinos, all rose as well. Yeah. I mean, we saw Penn have a really good day. Um, They're back at like was 35 it? bucks. Yeah, they, they closed at 33.70. Um, they were over 35 bucks on Friday, for mm-hmm. sure. Which, you know, that around, I think it was, was it Tuesday the news came out that, you know, the, the vaccines were starting to work and all this stuff because you see Penn go from, you know, not really breaking 30 on Monday to going up to 33 on Wednesday. 34 on Thursday, 35 Friday, you know? Mm -hmm. So must have been Tuesday that that news came out. But again, yeah, that tells itself the vaccine's going to do what it's going to do for the economy. And it's going to be interesting because what if someone beats them, then they're going to crash way down, right? That's what I would think. But Modern day space chase. (laughs) Quite literally. Um, so that that's business folks, unless you had anything to bring up, Will, I know we didn't have Wayfair on the agenda last week, but you brought that up at the end. So that was something where we're still keeping our eyes on no news from Wayfair yet. No exonerating, uh, or corroborating evidence. I should say that they did not traffic kids, which is absolutely outrageous, but I guess one thing I would. I guess one thing I will bring up, not about Wayfair, just in business in general, which will be interesting to see. So a few weeks ago, we saw um, Kanye West 
brand Yeezy partner up with Gap. And looking back at the numbers of when they partnered up with Adidas and how that stock took a huge rise. And that was just with shoes, right? Um, so people are saying like, oh, keep an eye out because in 2021, that's when the, like, the Yeezy's Gap line will be fully in the stores. So, you know, buy low with Gap and hold on to it to reap the benefits in the future. It'll be interesting to see how his, I guess, potential presidential bid. I mean, he, <laughs> he said he was going to run for president on the 4th of July. He then he said he was going to like not do it. And then he had his first rally, which I heard was a shit show. What a fucking moron. It'll be interesting to see how Gap will either benefit or fall from this. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't have much on that for sure. <laughs> That's just my late night thought of the day. Lovely. Well, that's really it for business. So as we mentioned, you know, we're, we're going to be following Moderna. We're going to be following Tesla quite often. So uh, if you have suggestions as well, we've gotten some of our best suggestions from uh, our listeners actually. So shoot us a DM in the Twitter uh, messages or Instagram. We, we monitor both. We're very responsive. I think our fans would like to agree. Um, transitioning into balls, we've got one thing on the menu today. It is the NBA bubble. Have you ever wondered what the fuck is going on inside the walls of Disney? Didn't think I'd ever be saying this, right? But here we are. NBA is fully locked down in Disney, and we are going right inside for you. We're talking to Tim Sinclair, as we mentioned, who is the Pacers' lead public address announcer and stadium announcer pretty much. And he is now doing a few games for the NBA for the next couple of weeks in the convention centers and stuff down there where they built the courts. So without further ado, here is Tim Sinclair. All right, folks, cool guests this week. Uh, lots of accolades for you. We've got the Indiana Pacers lead announcer, uh, PA announcer that is for now, the voice of the 2020 NBA All-Star Weekend. Among many other things, folks, the PA announcer for uh, University of Illinois, uh, their basketball programs, lots of other stops along the way. And most importantly, now the NBA selected him to be the voice of the NBA's summer games in Orlando for at least, I believe, the next four or five weeks. So without further ado, let's say hello to Tim Sinclair uh, here with us live from Orlando on this Sunday as we're recording. Tim, are you holding up okay over there? So far, so good. We're one week into uh, many weeks here, but it's I'm, I'm doing just fine. So there are worse places to be quarantined, that's for sure. Now, <laughs> before we started the Zoom, right, there, there's way worse places to be quarantined than the Disney campus in Orlando, Florida. I mean, it could be worse. You could be in North Dakota or something like that. So. <laughs> the hotel's nice. The weather's nice. I haven't been able to enjoy the weather yet. I've had plenty of the hotel room, but here soon I'll get a, get a chance to go out and explore a little bit. What hotel are you staying at in Disney? We're at the Coronado Springs Resort. Uh, NBA's taken over three of them. Uh, Yacht and Beach Club, Coronado Springs, and Grand Floridian, and then ESPN's Wild World Sports. So it's a sort of massive campus, but everybody's quarantined to those locations. If you're staying at one hotel, you've got to stay there. You can't go to the others. And uh, then obviously those who are working in the arenas can, can go over to those as well. Awesome. Interesting. 
So before we hop into, you know, the NBA bubble and everything in Orlando, kind of give us a quick introduction of your journey into sports and then how you became the voice of the Indiana Pacers. I started in broadcasting. I found radio in college and decided, hey, they'll pay me to talk and listen to music. That sounds good. Um, little did I know how much they were going to pay me, which I might have changed my mind otherwise. <laughs> However, uh, it led to a long career doing uh, radio for the most part, voiceover work, writing production, creative type stuff in and around audio. And about 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to audition to do public address at the University of Illinois. Someone said, hey, you like sports, you talk a lot, got a decent voice, why don't you give it a shot? And so I did, uh, didn't get the job I was hoping for, but about a year later they called me and said, hey, do you wanna do an Illinois baseball game? Sure, fine, whatever, I'll, I'll do that. So I went and did a baseball game, and then the next fall they had me do, I think wrestling and a little soccer, just a few sort of odds and ends. And over the course of about a year or two, I was doing nearly every sport at Illinois, except for the big three, you know, uh, the two basketballs and football. Um, so long story short, I continued to do more and more of that kind of stuff. And uh, a few years ago, got the opportunity to try out for the Pacers gig. Um, got that. I'm just completing my second year with them and I've already had just some incredible experiences with the team. And this uh, being in the NBA bubble is just one of them. So, <clears throat> excuse me, this, the same thing goes with um, the All-Star game. And I know uh, from our conversations this past week, Tim, you were in Mumbai, uh, you had the opportunity to go to India with an NBA uh, group as well. So just with those two uh, auxiliary experiences, if you will, um, we won't dive in too much about how you got those gigs or anything, but what we're curious about and what we think our listeners would be curious about too is in those experiences in particular, it's obviously not something everyone gets to do in this business. So what was maybe something you learned uh, that you didn't know before about either uh, your craft or profession or maybe the sport of basketball? Oh man, that's, that's a difficult question to yeah. answer. I think the, the experience itself, for example, being in India, you know, some people speak English, but, but not, not a ton or not a lot of English if, if they speak it at all. And so for me, that experience was more about absorbing what was going on around me and trying to figure out what the culture was like and seeing sites I'd never seen before and how to maneuver. And although the NBA takes care of most everything for you, I did go out on a little walk or two just to sort of absorb the culture. Uh, I think for me, that was my first experience into an NBA event. Um, I'd worked a season's worth of games, and those are all big deals, including some playoff games, and those are always, you know, a lot of eyeballs on them, lots of moving pieces. But, but this was an event. The commissioner was there. Most of the NBA brass was there, and uh, all eyeballs were on us for a couple of games, and they had special presentations pregame and halftime. It was a, it was a big <clears throat> deal, um, a circus in the best possible way. But seeing how that played out and all the rehearsals that went in, I probably rehearsed for 30 hours maybe um, for two games. And now I, it wasn't me talking for 30 straight hours, but the rehearsals for those games were very long. So that was a bit of a, an eye-opening experience. And then all of a sudden you go to the All-Star game, an All-Star weekend, and it's like that on steroids. Um, it is there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who put 
months into making that event fly. And it's, it's like, you know, they say the Super Bowl is the biggest spectacle in sports, and it probably is in terms of all the things that have to happen. But this is three and a half days worth of the same kind of level stuff, just back to back to back to back. And for me, um, just to be a part of it was awesome, but to see the inner workings of it was really cool too. Which is awesome. I mean, those are both incredible experiences that you'll definitely keep in, the, in your memory for the rest of your life and just be thankful that like that's part of your career as well. So those are all great. And now, you know, who would have thought you are now in Orlando, in quarantine, at the NBA bubble, about to be part of history, really. I mean, this is definitely some breaking stuff for not only basketball, but sports in general, watching this unfold. So let's talk about the bubble. Um, did you drive down or did you take a plane when you were heading from um, the Midwest down to, down to Florida? Yeah, I flew. Uh, most everybody flew in. There's a few who drove if they were close enough. Um, but you mentioned the history and that that's why I took the gig. I mean, there was part of me that went, I don't, I don't know. That's a long time away. Um, but the history of it all also in having a paycheck again, um, <laughs> those things made me go, I need to go, I need to go give this a shot. And now you arrive in Orlando. Tell us what, like what happens like from the second you got off to the airport to now your final day in quarantine at the hotel. Uh, they thankfully had a guy waiting for me at the airport uh, to, to drive me over to... That's, that's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Better than having to catch an Uber or something, right? Um, no, there was a, they, they really treated us very, very well. I thought I might be on a shuttle with a bunch of other people, but it was just uh, me and my driver. We went to the first hotel, and this was something I didn't really realize until a couple of days before I left, but it makes all the sense in the world. There was one hotel that everybody was taken to first when they arrived to go through the initial medical screenings. So we had um, all the checks that we needed to have, a couple of COVID tests over the, the two days that I was there. And then once all that came back clear, we were allowed to get on the NBA shuttle that took us into the Disney campus. And once we arrived here, there was a very quick check-in process. We had to do it all through the app. So that was taken care of. I was checked into my room before I ever arrived. Um, but they gave us a little bag that had a couple of masks in it, our Disney bracelets and uh, magic bands, I think they're called. And then we came to our room and I've been literally in my room for just a couple hours short of seven straight days and uh, ready to get out and explore the world a little bit here soon. So seven days in one hotel room. I was thinking about this really all week, to be honest with you, <laughs> ever since we <laughs> spoke a couple of days ago, Tim. Um, I genuinely don't know what I would do if I was in a room and couldn't leave for seven days. So I don't know um, if you had any tips or had sought any advice from anyone on how to keep yourself sane um, and, you know, I guess relatively active and uh, forge the sense that you're not locked up uh, in quarantine, for example. So I don't know, maybe if there's something you'd, uh, you, you had done uh, to keep yourself sane, I, I'd love to hear it. Well, I, I've, I do a lot of different jobs. <laughs> so part of it is I've been working. We've had Zoom meetings for the NBA almost every day. Um, but then I still was doing my TV show in Champaign from here. So um, I was adding web content, clipping pieces from the show, doing a live part of the show every day. Uh, I 
produced some promos for our show from here. And so I was able to, to work a lot. Um, and then you, you got to be able to, to have a little fun too. I've produced a couple of just silly day in the life of videos, one music parody, just, you know, to sort of show people what's going on here and have, have fun yet also selfishly, I'm trying to teach myself how to edit video better. So those things have helped me learn a new skill and all of that really made the week go pretty fast. It's hard to believe that it was a full week ago that I rolled into the Disney campus here and we're, we're ready to move on. So uh, I'm anxious to work. I'm anxious to get outside and explore a little bit, but it, it hasn't been as bad as maybe it seems. So now that you're in the room for you know, the full week, did you just have constant room service being able to support anything you need? And on top of that, an additional question, how has the food been? Both are good questions. Um, room service in the strictest definition, yes, they will bring food by, knock on your door, walk away, you go to the door, pick it up from out front, bring it in your room. Um, but it's not like I get to call and order whatever I want, whenever yeah. <laughs> I want. Uh, the NBA provided meals, um, everybody got the same thing, and three times a day they were delivered when they got <laughs> through. So sometimes it was noon, sometimes it was 1.30 for lunch. It just really depended. Uh, but the food has been pretty good. There's been a lot of it because um, they're trying to provide for a bunch of different tastes and some dietary restrictions. And they've got separate meals for some of those people. But in a lot of cases, it's easier just to put everything in one thing. And then if you eat it, great. If you don't, fine. Um, so I felt like I threw away more food than I needed to or wanted to, but I couldn't give it to anyone else. And I certainly didn't want to eat it all myself. So it's been pretty good. And although I'm definitely ready to get to the, uh, the hotel restaurants <laughs> and, um, and eat some there too. What was the best thing on the menu so far that you've eaten? You know, they had a couple of things. They had kind of like, um, a couple of Mexican meals where we got to sort of create your own tacos or burritos or whatever. And so they had uh, chicken one day. We had a lot of chicken, so I'm, I'm chickened <laughs> out. Um, but one of them was beef that was sliced. So you sort of put that on and you could add all the different uh, toppings. And they, of course, all came separately wrapped and packaged. Um, and that was a that was a really good meal. I enjoyed that a lot. So kind of get a grasp of the NBA bubble life. How many people and personnel would you say are currently in Orlando strictly for the NBA bubble? I was, I don't know for sure. I was just on a Zoom call with, I think everybody or almost everybody who's here. And there was somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 on that. Um, now that doesn't include teams, obviously, mm -hmm. or player uh, personnel who, who travel with individual teams. But on behalf of the NBA and their vendors, um, probably somewhere in, in that neighborhood. There have been people who've been here already before our quarantine group that um, have been setting up the floor and doing the video boards and you know getting all that technical stuff taken care of. Uh, but by and large, I would say three to 400 is a pretty good estimate in terms of total NBA staff. Cool. And moving on now to the players as well. I know you mentioned that doesn't include the, the coaching staff and the, the team personnel and things like that. Have you heard anything or, or do you have anything, uh, any inside intel, I guess we'll call it with a little winky face, right? Um, about how, you know, the, the NBA players experience and the coaches experience, is it differing from yours too much? Do you think in the sense of 
flexibility. I, I know the players are, I, I, to my knowledge, I believe they're getting out to practice a little bit every now and then, but um, curious to see if you know anything about how the players' experience is really differing from that of the, the staff that the NBA folks have had here. Most of the teams got here the week before we did, and they flew on their own team planes, right? So they didn't fly commercially, which meant their quarantines had to be a little shorter than ours did. So that allowed them to get out of the rooms and start practicing. Um, two different parts of your question. From a safety, security, health standpoint, does their experience differ from ours? No. They, there is, from everything I have seen and heard, there is no flexibility with anyone anywhere in the organization for any health protocol whatsoever. Um, comes to masks, daily testing, um, both COVID tests, but then we're also each responsible for filling out questionnaires about our own health, taking temperature, blood oxygen levels, all those kinds of things everybody has to do every day. Otherwise, our credentials don't work and we can't get into the places we, we would need to get into. So uh, from that perspective, it, it's not a different experience for them. There's nothing that's more lax for these players. Um, I, now, whether they try to take advantage of it or not, I don't know. Um, but from a corporate view of it, it's not any different. Now, their accommodations are, are probably, you know, they get the nicer of the hotel rooms. Uh, we're <laughs> on the casitas, they're in the tower that has suites and things like that. But of course, that's to be expected. Um, their food, I think they are more room servicey uh, than we are. You know, we get what's provided, they get right. to order what they'd like. Um, but in general, I've heard nothing but good things. Um, a couple little maybe complaints here or there from a player on social media who's frustrated, but most everything, especially with the Pacers, the team I'm with, um, Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, all those guys have come out and said, man, the NBA is treating us super well, and we're just thankful to be here. And so I think that's at least where most guys fall. And that's where you've got like the Rajon Rondo that comes out and says, um, you know, what is this motel six stuff? Like, come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. Yeah. There's been a few. So yeah. one thing that I'm interested to hear more about is, you know, you we're in this so-called bubble that keeps coming up and you talk about the Disney campus and you heard the story about uh, Rashawn Holmes from the Sacramento Kings who crossed that imaginary line to get the Uber Eats or Grubhub, whatever it was. What is your boundary of what, where you can go and where you can't? It is all very clearly marked. Um, everybody has to stay in the hotel complex that they are in. So there's three of them. Um, but if you're in one of the three, you can't go to the others. So you have to stay in your own. And there are definite checkpoints of where you can and can't go with signs that say, now, all this said, I haven't seen much of this because I've been stuck in my hotel room for seven <laughs> right, days. Right. <laughs> um, but I have seen the maps of where you can go and what you can do. Um, and, you know, they've, they've been very careful to say, we're not preventing you from leaving. We're just saying that if you do, it's going to be a 10-day quarantine to get back in, um, to actually start working again. So, um, you know, there we have plenty of paths and trails that we can hike and run and bike on or whatever. There's uh, swimming pools to use and workout facilities and things like that. All that are open to us. But, of course, always social distancing. Uh, if you're 
while you're working out, as long as you're six feet or more away from another person, you don't have to wear a mask, but as soon as you're done, it needs to go back on if you're gonna be near anybody. Um, the eating facilities have been set up so that we're socially distanced. They encourage eating outside a lot, um, if possible, just because that's supposed to be safer. Um, part of, at least what I've been told, I won't speak to the players, but we're not allowed to bring in anything non-perishable. So we can get Amazon deliveries of food if you want, but it would have to be, um, you know, cans of stuff or um, things like that. You can't get fruit, vegetables, meat, <laughs> you know, delivered to your room. And it has to be delivered via FedEx, Amazon, you know, all those kinds of things so that they can go through it, they can look over it, make sure it's clean, and then and then deliver it. So there are a couple of issues with uh, Uber Eats, we've been told. Uh, one, you would have to cross a boundary to get to where they are. Uh, and two, that stuff's not allowed in anyway. Interesting, very interesting. So Jessica, I would say from your perspective, how many players or personnel do you think might break this uh, quarantine <laughs> bubble? Yeah, I don't, man, I'm, I can't go there. I don't think I, uh, from everything I've seen and heard, these guys are thankful to be playing, uh, just like all of us are thankful to be working. Um, this is historic. And if people uh, stick to the things that have been put in place, all the protocols that have been put in place, I think we're going to have a champion. I think that's what everybody wants. They want the season to finish. They want a champion to be crowned. They want this whole thing to be over and go back to as close to normalcy as we can next season. But in the meantime, um, everybody realizes that the eyes of the world are on this. And so uh, we're all, I hope, going to try to stick to it as much as possible, especially when it's been shown that if you don't, it's not worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hopefully, we don't have any more Uber Eats and Grubhub or delivery <laughs> food incidents among the players. But that's right. a nice segue, Tim, into uh, into your role now, uh, into what your responsibilities are going to be over the next couple of weeks inside the bubble. Um, obviously, your role uh, with the Pacers is a public address announcer. Your role uh, with the All Star Games was the voice of the weekend, the voice of the game, and all that good stuff. And now. For people like you and I who are PA announcers, Tim, it's really weird because there's really no public to address out in the, uh, you know, there's no fence, right? So I'm sure you um, have obviously a good understanding of your responsibilities at this point over the past couple of weeks and what's going to be asked of you, but what exactly does a public address announcer uh, have to do during this crazy time? It's not going to be a whole lot different, quite honestly, than um, most games, at least in terms of what it sounds like. It's going to feel different to me not having a crowd because I try to reflect what they're feeling throughout the course of a game. However, the goal is to get the players and those who are watching on television to feel like it's as much of a real game as they might be playing if none of this had happened. And so home teams it's going to try to they're going to try to make it feel like it's a home game from crowd prompts that they would normally play to music to introductions to videos all that kind of stuff has been provided by the teams at least most of them so that when it's a home game for that team they can use it during the course of the production and uh, it will feel like a home game for those teams i will be more excited on my calls for those teams um, and uh, the away teams would just be more monotone, kind of like you would have at any other game. 
it's just going to be weird for me to keep track of which team is home and which team is away since <laughs> it's easy when it's the Pacers, right? I always know. But here, it might be the Lakers, might be the Pelicans, might be the Mavericks, who knows, depending on the game. So that will be interesting. The, the arenas have been set up, and I get to go see them here soon. They've been set up in much more of a, these are designed for broadcast type setups. They're, they're not designed for fan experience, obviously, because there aren't any fans to experience it. So they've tried to put together um, some sort of environment that on TV will not only look good and feel good and sound good, but for these players will uh, do all of those things, but also make them feel like, like they're at home when they're supposed to feel like they're playing home games. So are you kind of just out of curiosity too, is this more of, obviously you're not going to be doing just the Pacers. It's kind of everybody here. So is it just kind of like a rapid fire? All right, you wake up, you do this game on this court and then another game on the other court or something like that. Um, curious to see what exactly, you know, if you know what your schedule, uh, not necessarily the matchups or anything, but a typical day in the life. Yeah, I do. I have looked at the schedule, although all of that is, as always, subject to change. There are three arenas where there will be games most every day, not completely, but most. And then there are four teams working in those three arenas. Three of them are assigned to an arena. So um, they'll always be in that same one. And then my group is assigned to all of the arenas. So we will work here and there, depending on the day, depending on the matchup. Uh, I will do one or two games a day um there will be a few days off here and there um not a ton over the next four weeks um but a few and then uh, i'll go to the WNBA bubble and work the their playoffs and those are all it's two games a day one game the next day two games a day one game the next day. so that's back and forth on those for uh, the next four weeks there so from your standpoint as a public address announcer and how you've mentally prepared for your games, whether it's, you know, at Illinois or with the Pacers, um, how are you going to prepare yourself for having those back-to-back -back games and having more of a strenuous schedule? I drink a lot of water, I think, is part of it. Um, and, you know, the, the interesting thing for me is I've always said, like, your, your voice is a muscle. And so the more you use it, the stronger it gets. And it allows you to do more than you might otherwise. The interesting thing here is going to be, I haven't used it nearly as much for the last four months as I might have otherwise. So going from zero to 100 uh, it might be a little interesting. Uh, thankfully, we've got about a week of some practice games and then some official scrimmages that'll sort of allow us to work into that a bit. But come January or January, July 30th to 31st, um, we're going to have to hit the ground running and uh, just assume that uh, everybody's healthy and, and go from there. And before we wrap it up here, what's your quick, honest prediction for the Pacers' fate in 2020? How does the Indiana Pacers' season end? Well, I think that somewhat depends on if Oladipo decides to play or not. Right. He announced he wasn't, and now it's like, well, I've been – practicing pretty well and feeling pretty good <laughs> maybe I will play um and and Brogdon's the other part of that because he was diagnosed with COVID had a positive test he's back now practicing with the team uh has tested negative should be all good um so if if they are both playing I'm gonna say 
I'm going to say second round, um, and they they make it close for going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, if one or both of them can't play, their first round matchup is going to be tough, and that's why it's hard. No matter who they get, could be Miami, could be 76ers, could be Boston. Yep. Um, none none of those do you want to play in the first round, but uh, there, there's really no option. So uh, <laughs> they need those guys, I think, to have a good first round showing. And then if they do, I think all bets are off. So we'll see. Awesome. And the NBA games resume July 30th. If I read correctly, your first game will be Lakers-Mavs. Uh, yeah, that's I, I am doing a Lakers-Mavs game. I think that might be a scrimmage game. I honestly don't I don't know. I've looked at my schedule, but I think there's a scrimmage um, the sort of the week leading up to that. And then my first actual game will be the 31st because there's only one or two games on the 30th. And then I start uh, in earnest the 31st. Excellent. So to close out, uh, where can our listeners find you on social media and how can they follow your content? Tim J. Sinclair is pretty much where you can find me everywhere. So that's my handle for uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, search that on Facebook. It's also my website, timjsinclair.com. And uh, I try to provide at least semi-interesting stuff from time to time. So I'd appreciate a follow. Absolutely. Love for us, for sure. That's, uh, <laughs> that's great. This has been fun, Tim. Of course, uh, Tim Sinclair, he will be the voice of the NBA for at least a couple of weeks uh, NBA resuming on July 31st. You will probably hear Tim's voice in the background of at least a few games you'll be watching over on ESPN or ABC or TNT or wherever they're broadcasting the games. Uh, be sure to keep an eye out for Tim's voice. Tim, this was so fun. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we hope to be in touch soon. You got it. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Good luck. Thank you. And that was just Tim Sinclair straight from the NBA bubble. Awesome interview. Um, it was really interesting to hear his perspective, you know, actually living in it. And I don't think there's been much content of people currently in the bubble going out to the public. Yeah. Tim um, made a, he made a funny video of him like planking across his bed at one point. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious because he like time stamped it. He's like 117 planking and then 117 to 15 seconds falling. Like he was in between his beds, but yeah, no content really from anybody, which is wild, but he's making the most of it. You're just seeing players kind of posting stuff and it's kind of like a, it's a really in between of like, okay, you have these high end players, um, which we talked about last week that were kind of complaining about the accommodations, but then you have other people like Giannis, who is one of the superstars of the, of the league saying, listen, I mean, I'm just thankful to be here. When I grew up in Greece, like my apartment with four brothers was smaller than this hotel room. Yeah, and that's Tim's attitude too. Remember, you asked him kind of, you know, how long is it before someone breaks it? And he's like, I'm not really going there. It's like, he is genuinely, um, I, I think, he's representative of, he's right. Thankful, he's thankful, thankful to be, to be there, there, but but more importantly, I think he's representative of most of the people. I'd say over 90% of the folks there, you know? I'd say there's maybe even higher. There's probably only a small bunch of people that's like, fuck this, man. Like, this sucks. I, they're playing the sport that they love. They've got a small price to pay. Stay inside, you know, hunker down for a bit. It's tough. But, I mean, they're professional athletes and staff members. And if they, they love to do this truly, then it'll happen, right? So. Well, it was just interesting to hear because he said it was so cleared out like the paths yeah. of where you can and cannot cross and still people accidentally cross that line. Accidentally. 
Yeah. <laughs> or just were careless. Yeah. But, Saying like, oh, you know, oh, if I cross the line, I'm not doing anything bad. Nope, you're you're quarantine now. Yeah. Well, on the bright side, Tim's content looks really cool. The second we, you know, literally minutes after we stopped interviewing him, he uh, his quarantine was up, so he got the fuck out of the room, obviously, and walked around. Saw the courts. They had uh, like a pre prod meeting um, on site where they're going to play the games. Uh, did you see the barber shop there too? They had like a pop up yeah. barber shop. That is so cool. There's six barbers on the premise, I guess. Which you know what? That was that'd be a condition that I would want to go back in. I wouldn't want to play with screwed up hair. I want a barber there. And they the NBA kudos to them because they're listening to players. So I mean, that's just like it's just a shout out to Adam Silver. I mean, he is honestly one of the best general managers in all you mean, sports you mean in commissioners, his, i mean right? commissioners sorry um commissioners but in the same retrospect general manager in general um in all sports like ever i mean the guy is listening to feedback and is transparent and making it happen yeah you know whether it's on a team level or on the whole league level i mean he's built the brand for the nba to make it a global a global sport. I mean, he built the Africa league. He's bringing, like Tim said, the sport to India. He is a friendly figure and he's listening what the players want. Meanwhile, at the same time, you have like the NFL is all over the place all on social media saying like, we want to play. Why aren't you telling us like how we're going to be safe? Cause and you have, a fucking asshole. And you have the MLB who was just like the hashtag. What was it? It was, um, uh, time and place or when and where when and where was the hashtag tell us when and where yeah because like they were it was all this fighting about the stuff like the nba was just like the second it got shut down and everything happened with like rudy gobert and the dominoes fell adam silver collected a group of people and made a plan and now we're gonna have a full functioned ready to go league by next week that's what happens when you're proactive with the owners and that actually is what happens when both the owners and the players like you that's not like in any other sport it's all the owners right so think about goodell he answers to guys like jerry jones and to rob Kraft, and you look at baseball rob manfred who's he answering to he's answering to the freaking steinbrenners and john henry and the folks who own liverpool which is you know obviously john henry and his cronies but um, Gary Bettman, he's answering to the, the Dolans for one, you know, he, he the, the point is that these guys answer to the owners, but silver has gone out of his way. And I think that's probably, um, you know, a mix of him and David Stern's leadership style from, you know, the, the previous commissioner, obviously Stern was never the most popular guy, but he still listens, right? He, he tried to listen to the players a little bit more. Silver has created a channel where, they can just talk to him, right? And tell him here, here's what the players want. They have a well ironed out players association because the players are talking. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen everywhere. So. And he's essentially building the NBA 2K neighborhood in Disney. Yeah. Which is (laughs) the funniest thing. Oh, they're going to start playing blacktop soon. Be careful. You're going to have like legends show up. You're going to have like Shaq come back and fucking RBS Sabonis and (laughs) Detlef Schrempf. That was one thing I wanted to ask him that I forgot was who like there's gotta be there's gonna be people watching this game in person. Yeah. Like gonna be scouts and like celebs or something, right? I feel like 
I mean, they're doing a very good job on keeping it safe and it's strict, but I just feel like there's going to be like money talks. Yeah. Cause think about it. If Shaq rolls up and like, yo, I'll DJ one night. <laughs> well, I mean, he's doing, he's on TNT. So I wonder if they're, the, they're going to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. He actually probably won't. He's, he's in like Charles Barkley and Ernie and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to ask him. I mean, most of their, <laughs> yeah, most of their content was in the studio anyway. Yeah. We'll give him a follow-up question. Yeah. We'll give him a follow-up be like, Hey, how many low key after that Lakers Mavs game, how many fans were there? <laughs> like was, uh, who's like a, a throwback Laker. I want to say Kobe so badly. I know. Uh, God rest his soul, man. Um, who's like, I don't know. Like if fucking, I couldn't even name you one other person on the Lakers from like early two thousands. Is that sad? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Everyone that I was going to name still plays right now. That's what I was going to say. Rel- like relevancy. Fuck that. All right, let's move yeah. on. <laughs> I'm going to put myself in a bad situation. Um, we'll close with positivity corner. This is a really cool story, Will, that you found. Um, and most of our listeners should have seen on social media already. Um, but a little boy saved his sister. Now superhero actors are reaching out. Tell us more. Yeah, so Bridger Walker, a six-year-old boy from Wyoming, has gained a lot of social media attraction after his story came out that on July 9th, he, him and his sister were visiting uh, family friends and their dog uh, jumped towards his sister, Bridger's sister, and he stepped in front and defended his sister from the dog and enough to get her away safely and was shielding, shielding his sister, and he was attacked pretty badly and got 90 stitches on his face. And the kid has been so positive, and he was so brave. And the story, I mean, he went through a two-hour surgery. Um, he pretty much said that if someone had to die during this attack, it should have been me, not my sister. I mean, that's just, like, so touching and heartwarming. And actors, he's, he's a big superhero fan, um, superhero actors – such as Tom Holland and Hugh Jackman and Chris Evans have reached out to him and shown his support. And this is just like the positivity that we really need right now. I mean, six years old, already understanding bravery and protection and doing something just to protect his sister is just very, very sweet. So shout out to Bridger for his courageous act and we hope him a speedy recovery, but Good for him. Good work, little man. That's incredible. Six years old, and he runs in front of a charging, um, a charging dog. Mm-hmm. Like, that's nuts. That's so nuts. Um, we we'd send him some some seltzer, but he's not old enough. So <laughs> um, that that would be our contribution. I mean, that that that's you have to feel so bad because you saw the pictures of his face after. I think it was at ninety stitches, right, or something like that. That's, 90 stitches. That's disgusting. Um, but what's really good is the celebrities reaching out. Like Robert Downey Jr., he goes, yeah, we're going to do something special for you. Like Anne Hathaway is saying stuff now in addition to people you've met. So he's getting the recognition he deserves. Um, good on you. Good Absolutely. on you, man. We need more of that for sure. Um, that is our show this week. As always, Twitter, the underscore BBB underscore podcast. Instagram is the dot BBB dot podcast. 
if you have recommendations on people we should reach out to for the next few episodes, please send them our way. Send us feedback. Send us everything you've got, folks. Send us some merch of whatever whatever you want. If you have a brand that you want to send us some merch, fine. We'll throw it right, right on the wall. Um, <laughs> anything to add before we close out? No, I mean, once we have the studio fully set up, we'll give a tour. Uh, blogs are coming in hot and we're working on the merch and the website and everything. So keep an eye on that. Um, we're going to have some more great interviews, but if there's someone that you think would be a good story to promote on the show, let us know. As always, DMs are open. That's Will. I am Jake. So long, folks. Jake and you.